This show is brought to you by the Email Laundry, making email safe for your customers. Visit www.theemaillaundry.com forward slash tublog for a very special listener offer and to have your MSP's domain filtered by the Email Laundry for free. You're listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners, with our featured conversation with Richard Tubb and Bob Kosis of Continuum. My name is Jeff Nicholson, and this podcast is all about helping you grow your IT business. Following on from our last episode, where Richard spoke to the Continuum CEO, Michael George, in this episode, Richard talks with Bob Kosis, the Chief Revenue Officer at Continuum. Bob is responsible for all the go-to market functions of Continuum, including global sales, partner success, and marketing. During this interview, Richard and Bob delve deep into these topics and much more. This episode was recorded via a video call between Richard at home in Newcastle-Pontine, England, and Bob in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And now, without further ado, here's Richard Tubb talking with Bob Kosis. Hi everyone, Richard Tubb here with another interview and today I'm joined by Robert Kosis. Uh, Robert is Continuum's Chief Revenue Officer and Bob brings more than 20 years of experience in global sales leadership and business management to the IT industry. Bob has a bachelor's degree in marine engineering systems from the United States Merchant Marine Academy and he's also a graduate of the General Dynamics Nuclear Engineering School. Wow, that is so accolades. How are you doing today, Bob? I'm doing great, Richard. Thanks for having me today. Cool. Well, it's my pleasure. Now, for those who aren't familiar with Continuum, uh, who are Continuum and what do you do? Well, that's a great question. So, you know, our purpose is really to service our MSP clients. We uh, we have 5,800 great MSP clients uh, around the globe, and, you know, we want to provide them best-in-class software which would be our RMM platform supported by our fully integrated NOC. Um, we also have a fully managed BDR solution called Continuity 24-7. And then we have a world-class help desk that's uh, US-based and, and helps our clients uh, provide a white-labeled help desk uh, environment to their, uh, to their end clients. So a single IT management platform really focused on supporting world-class MSPs and we're excited, very excited about it. Now, we're, we're an industry full of acronyms, aren't we? So just for the benefit of the audience, we've got RMM, which is Remote Monitoring and Management. We've got NOC, which is Network Operations Center. And we've got BDR, which is Backup Disastery and Recovery. Have I got that right? You do, for sure. <laughs> Good. So now, at the risk of sounding stupid, and given your bachelor's degree and nuclear engineering background, that's really not going to be difficult for me, Bob, but can you explain what a chief revenue officer does? I will. Let me go back for a second on the uh, on the nuclear engineering. I don't want to scare any of uh, anybody listening to the call today. So on the nuclear engineering front, just remember that I came out of school and I went through that program, which was fantastic, but I quickly decided that I wanted to be in a career of computer technology and customer facing sales activities and not necessarily an engineer. So that's why I switched so quickly after I graduated from there. Well, um, it, so it's if a great I, question on chief revenue that. officer. I beg your pardon. Sorry, Bob, for interrupting. I was going to say, I definitely wouldn't downplay that achievement if, uh, if I had a, a nuclear engineering background. <laughs> 
Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. So it was fun to go through. Um, so, you know, let me answer your question. I get this question a lot. It's actually been interesting for me because the chief revenue officer title is a little bit new in technology. You know, in traditional technology, you had a VP of sales. You had the advent many years ago of the CMO, the chief marketing officer who kind of rose uh, in the ranks. And the chief revenue officer was really designed um, by, you know, a lot of the startup companies out of Silicon Valley. The, the, the job was really designed to integrate the, the experience from marketing through sales through customer success and to integrate those functions and to really act as one unified uh, go-to-market function. So if you look at my role within Continuum, I have the marketing organization, I have these the selling organization that is all customer facing, and then I also have the what we call partner success organization, which is all about helping our partners be successful with our solutions. So having that full integrated end-to-end go-to-market function under one leader, I actually think is very valuable. Not I might think that way, Richard, because I have the title, but I really think that's valuable for, for companies today. And it gives a very unique perspective on a way for us to really take care of our customers uh, in a very deep way. And just uh, thanks for explaining that. Now, uh, you talked about the sales background there and where you went with it. I'm going to make you blush a little bit. So one of your former colleagues had this to say about you. Bob Kosis is truly one of the greatest sales leaders in enterprise and technology industry. Now, that isn't uh, blowing smoke up your backside or anything. I've heard this um, from numerous sources. Tell me a little bit about your journey, getting to where you are in your role at Continuum at the moment. Boy, I really appreciate that uh, compliment too. But yeah, the the journey's been interesting. I started off... I'll take you into technology. So I started off in in 1998 uh, with a computer technology company called Parametric Technology, which was one of the hottest software companies in the world in the early 90s. And uh, when I joined, they were probably kind of at a peak. Um, And I quickly fell in love with the entire industry. And at that point, I was more in the engineering software space. But, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to quickly get into sales leadership, into sales management, you know, and it was interesting that was was a key to my success, Richard, early on was I started to realize that to, to really put my people first and focus all my energy on helping my my people, my salespeople, my technical salespeople, my marketing folks be successful. And as I focus my energy on that, my own success just came naturally. It wasn't, a, I didn't have to focus on myself. So that was really, if I give any advice out there to sales leaders and to leaders in general, that was something I did early on. And uh, that's worked for me really well over my career is just uh, spend all your energy focused on making your people unbelievably successful and then your own success will will come come uh, come come itself. That makes a lot of sense. Now, I know you've served in a number of progressive sales positions. Um, if we talk specifically about sales, and if um, you've talked about the uh, helping uh, the people within your team, but if we talk specifically about the sales process, what would you say is the number one thing you've learned about sales uh, that still holds true today? No, that's a great question. I think you know. I always come back to making sure you know that you. The, that you really care about what the customer is saying, you're listening to the customer, you're understanding their pain points and challenges, and you're being empathetic to what they're what they're going through. And then what you're trying to provide them is you're not pushing them a product, you're solving a business problem for them and making their business better. And I think when we get uh, young reps or even seasoned reps to, to get out of the feature function discussion, and to focus on helping the customer solve real problems that they're facing today, 
boy, we really uh, end up with customers that are, you know, they're just much more integrated into into what we're doing. They stay with us for the long term. Um, they're partners with us. They help us shape our products and our service offerings. And it's just a lot more fun to be around rather than, you know, focused on just pushing uh, features and functions of a product. And it's very common, isn't it, especially within the IT industry, for salespeople to push features and um, features and functions as opposed to actually listening. Why would you say that is? Why does there seem to be a culture of that within the IT industry? I think that uh, people are excited about, um, you know, the products that come out and the, and the product uh, managers, the chief technology officers, the chief product officers are excited about what they've developed. So what ends up happening is, is that marketing organizations and other functions end up to go right towards, hey, these are the new feature sets we have, which, by the way, I want to state are, is very important. I don't want to downplay that. The, there is importance to that. But you just have to make sure it fits into what the customer actually needs and that you're solving real problems for them um, and that they understand the value, right, that they're getting from those uh, features and not necessarily to lead with that. Understood. So let, let's get back to Continuum as a, as a business. What are the challenges for Continuum working in the partner model? You've talked about a partner success organization. You've talked about your commitment to partners. What are the real challenges for working in a partner model as opposed to just going direct? Well, that's a, you know, it's an interesting point. I think, you know, it's, it's, I've been in both sides. So in my career, I've had completely direct sales leadership roles. I've had completely channel leadership roles. And I went back and forth, and and I one of the reasons I came to Continuum, a, a big reason was they were 100% channel, and only focused on uh, selling through our channel partners and not going direct to end clients, which I really think is the right model for for this industry. I think some of the challenges exist uh, around that is sometimes uh, you know when you go through a pure channel model, they don't move necessarily as quick as you want. They have different um, agendas that they may want to do because they have other lines of business that they're important to them. And getting their mind share um, to help them grow their business sometimes can be challenging. I will tell you also that the number one challenge we hear from our channel partners, our MSPs, um, when we talk to them, is that they have difficulty in actually, you know, selling. So we're we're very focused on how do we enable them to sell better, to service their customers better, to manage accounts better, to position value-added solutions better, and then to market better. So we spend a lot of time on the white label side of producing great content in those key areas to make sure that our MSPs can actually be successful um, in the marketplace. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, one of the number one challenges that I see working with IT business owners is sales. You know, lots of IT business owners, primarily technicians, very, very good at what they do. And then all of a sudden they find themselves in charge of an organization that needs to make sales. What would you say is the the top thing that your MSP uh, partners can do to help their clients understand the value that they're bringing? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few things. One is, you know, I, I, I think from a from an overall sales culture perspective of making sure that your sales team and your technical team in house if you're if you're an MSP owner let's let's speak to how the I think your question was how does the owner handle it so let's speak to that yeah. you know making sure that your people have the right content making sure the people were all singing from the same page I've seen a lot of been with a lot of companies recently where if you ask one individual what's the company's mission and you ask the next individual, you get two different answers. So getting those folks on the same page, all talking, um, you know, the same message, the same value proposition is really important. And I think sometimes as business owners, we get so busy, 
that we forget about those details and, and they don't become a priority. And I will say that there, that is a, a very critical item that needs to happen. I was talking to an owner in the U.S. the other day, and I talked about objection handling. We're talking about objection handling. And, and I said, you know, what are the most the common, uh, the 10 most common objections you get? And as he was walking me through those objections, I said, okay, well, if I was to ask your employees how they handled those, would every one of your employees be able to handle those objections the same way? And the answer was no. Um, and I, and we talked about the importance of that. So you could imagine as you're going through, um, and you, you're getting 10 common objections or five common objections that you know you're getting from all your customers and prospects, the ability to help your team handle those in a very uniform way. So you sound like you're all on the same page, singing from the same sheet of music is really important. Got it. And, and you, met, you touched upon something there when you talked about uh, content and making sure everybody's singing from the, the same hymn sheet. You and I first uh, met one another a few months ago at the Continuum European Partner Day, where you gave what I thought was a phenomenal presentation, and you were specifically talking about social selling. Now, Bob, what is social selling, and, and why is it a good fit for IT companies? So a few years ago, I had a chance to spend some time with uh, LinkedIn. Um, it was back, I think in 2013 was the first time I kind of engaged with them on a, from a standpoint of sales process. What was happening was I was seeing that, you know, more and more B2B companies were making decisions um, based on social media. And as I looked at that, it was, it was starting to affect my sales team in our industry. What I noticed was, is as those companies were making decisions, um, they were using social media to do, to research their solutions to whether they should buy or not. They were looking for social media for towards, uh, determining a level of confidence they had in buying from that provider. And what I realized at that point is I had to pivot my sales and technical team to become more social sellers. What I mean by that is engaging in a social platform with the company's content, you know, to really show your clients that you have thought leadership in the space, that you have recommendations from like companies, that you're professional in how you engage with them. And I think that uh, um, it's something that I think that small businesses today are starting to do a little bit better, but that we have a lot of progression we can make in that area. And as clients will continue to, to leverage social as a platform for making buying decisions, strategic key buying decisions, we have to all become good at, uh, at what I would call social selling. I absolutely agree. As somebody who was perhaps doing social selling well before I even knew it was called social selling way back in the day, running an MSP, I've, you know, I've been writing a blog for 10, 12 years, I've been using social media. I'm sort of surprised that, you know, the success I've had with it within business and clearly the success you and Continuum have had. Um, why more IT and technology businesses aren't putting themselves out there with social selling? What do you think the barrier is to yeah, it's social selling? So, so the barrier is, is what you just, you just commented on. So for folks like you, it's very natural, right? You're, you're used to writing blogs. You're used to putting that thought leadership content out there. But then as you scale up and you end up with 10 or 20 or 30 employees, a very small percentage of your population is going to have that, that ability. And, and you're not going to want everybody to be a thought leader. That's not really what you know, most companies want. Most of the folks are going to be in the execution area. So enabling those folks with the right content to post to their customers and to their prospects to position themselves as thought leaderships with the right content is where that extension of the brand needs to occur. 
Um, and I think that's the thing today that's really missing is the ability for that team, that extended team, to take the content that the the owner is writing or is being supplied by a solution provider like Continuum to be reused, and then extending that to show your thought leadership in certain key areas that are really important to the customer. Because remember, the customer is being inundated by so many different messages. It gets very confusing. So at the end of the day, the customers are going to go to people that they talk to on a routine basis, and they're going to seek to those individuals for thought leadership. They're not expecting those people, Richard, to necessarily create all the content, but they're looking for those people to give them the right content at the right time. And I think that's where that linkage has to happen. And um, what I'm seeing is, is companies that are doing that are really benefiting in a big way. Absolutely. You've done it for some time, uh, or I should say continue as a company have done it for some time, as well as you personally within the industry. How do you ensure that all of your team are on the same hymn sheet? How do you uh, ensure that everybody within your team, Bob, uh, knows what you're talking about? And uh, even the content that you've got, the wealth of content, how do you ensure everybody understands what's available to them within your team? Right. And, and Continuum has done it for for some time. It's it's one of the things that impressed me about the company when I joined was that we were very good at creating this content. But when you actually, you know, the one thing we're, we're even improving on internally at Continuum today that we're going to continue to improve on is the, the brand, what I call the brand extension, extending that throughout everybody. Um, in the organization and making, making sure we put that out. So to answer your question, you know, more specifically, you know, it comes down to a bit of old fashioned training and making sure that the individuals in your group meetings, your individuals know the messages we should be putting out, know the audiences, you know, by group that should be getting the messages. And a lot of that can be done, Richard, in, in the company's CRM system. So having your CRM system set up right, your customer relationship management platform, whether you use Salesforce or you use Sugar CRM or you use some other providers, lots of good ones that are out there. But the important part about that is to make sure that is being leveraged properly. Most of those comp- most of those solutions have what's called an asset library that's built into them. And what you can do is you can put up the content, the owner or the marketing professional in the company can put up the content that you want your folks to leverage out in your social channels so that those things are consistent and they're well thought out. And then you can even take a step further and you can you can start to tag content in those solutions for specific use cases. All right. So that allows you to automate as your team gets bigger. You know, when you start to scale to 10, 10 people or 20 people or 30 people, you can't go around and do it individually. You need to be able to scale that out. Uh, through a through a system um, like CRM, and the CRM systems will allow you to do that. They'll allow you to tag content to certain use cases as you see. You know, like you have example, one client is you know certain clients are real heavy in security at this point. They're looking for security solutions, so there'll be different assets you want to give to those clients, and so on and so forth. So it sounds very straightforward, but actually, uh, it doesn't happen as simple as we as we think it does. Now, but I understand the concepts of it, and I, it's actually um, a challenge on rest with within my own business so you know I, I said I've been blogging for 12 years or something along those lines there's hundreds and hundreds of uh, articles and it's uh, pretty much impossible for me now to answer all the uh, queries that I get incoming um, so I'll let you into a secret Bob one of the uh, one of the great reasons for having uh, experts like yourself on this podcast is I essentially get free consultancy so uh, <laughs> thank you for the uh, suggestion about using the CRM for content there that's going to be useful for me as well yeah <laughs> no problem. I'm happy to help out. That's for sure. 
Sure. So let's change tact a little bit. Um, going back to Continuum, um, you've got a strong background in customer excellence, and, and it's obvious apparent from this conversation that customer excellence is something that you're very proud of. How do you ensure excellence at Continuum? It's something that um, you know I've, I've spent a lot of time on here, and I think it's it's critical. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you you spend time acquiring a new customer, bringing a new customer on board. And I think the onboarding process, the, the, the period of time it takes to get the customer leveraging our solutions the right way is the absolute critical time. So it's that time from when they say, yes, we want to do business with you till the time that they um, fully operationalize with our solution. That piece of, of time, whether it's three months, six months, nine months, depending on the size of the MSP, that's a critical time because we have to make sure that, you know, all the individuals in the organization are happy with the solution. They're bought in. Um, they understand how their lives and their processes are going to change, but also improve. And we need to make sure we set them up properly and communicate all those things properly. So we spend a lot of time with some of our absolute best people in that phase of customer excellence. And um, it, it allows us to become, Richard, allows us to become more proactive and we're trying to become less reactive. You know, we want to try to get people set up properly in the onboarding phase so that we have less downstream problems. We know we're going to always have downstream problems and we have a great team of folks and partner success that help us ensure our customers um, have a great experience with us. But that, that onboarding piece is a really important piece um, of what we do. And uh, it's something that we take very seriously. Really interesting to hear you talk about onboarding being important. Um, of, of course, it's important to continue as business. I would say it's equally important to manage service providers, uh, bringing on board new clients to the stage where I was speaking to an MSP owner recently, and they said something really interesting to me that I'll share with you. They said they look at uh, uh, tickets that are generated as failures. So, you know, backup uh, fails, that's a failure. Uh, a customer phones in asking a query about something, that's a failure. And they said that, you know, that their goal was to eliminate all of those failures from business. How does that, that grab you? Is that something that MSPs can strive for to, to eliminate all tickets from the business? Or? Well, I think that's going to be difficult to, to achieve, but I think they're onto something there. I think, you know, and I was just with a, a very large MSP in the U.S. on Monday, and we had a very similar conversation to the conversation you just had. And they were, we were talking about the fact that the better we can help them on board their clients, they're going to have, you know, just a better overall experience and less, less ticket volume, less issues, and then less urgent issues, right? Because routine tickets, you're, I think you're going to have, but it's a, it's the idea of making sure that we, we have to get the customer experience really excited. I'll give you one example that we're working with our clients on now. When people use our help desk quite a bit around the globe, when they use our help desk, our, our, um, uh, our success rates, our customer satisfaction rates are incredibly high when they use chat on our help desk. But they, they go down a little bit when they use phone. Part of that is because people today want to use chat. They, they like that feature. They like that function. So we're working with our clients, our MSP clients on when they onboard their end customers to make sure they talk to them about the value of using chat, the experience of using it, how quick it is. Our resolution times are fantastic. So that gets back to this onboarding piece and then it just enhances the entire customer um, experience and customer journey that uh, you know will lead to happier customers for a long haul. 
Okay, I'd like to briefly pause for a second to let you know about my new book, The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide. I'm the former owner of an IT managed service provider business myself, so I know exactly what it's like to struggle to cope with the day-to-day stresses of running an IT business. I know there are days or even weeks when you get frustrated and wonder whether it's all worth it to go it alone. I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be like that. The IT Business Owner's Survival Guide contains a collection of easy-to-digest guides and tips on how to cope with the common tasks that cause IT business owners worry and stress. If you want to learn how to save time, avoid stress, and build a successful IT business, then you don't have to do it alone. You can buy the IT Business Owner's Survival Guide from Amazon or visit itbusinesssurvivalguide.com and download the first chapter for free. That's itbusinesssurvivalguide.com. Now, I'm a former MSP business owner myself. Uh, I know how critically important strong vendor technical support is. When we're talking onboarding, you're actually taking on board a big responsibility with continuing representing those MSPs to the clients. Uh, So for those MSP business owners listening, how do Continuum assure new partners that essentially you've got their back? Well, that's a really good point. So what we do is a couple things. When we, for example, if you're, if you're leveraging a client facing product, an end client facing product like our, our help desk, you know, we make sure that we work with you on how you should set up documentation, how you should set up the client environment, um, making sure the client understands the value of what they're going to get out and the way to engage, you know, with our help desk. And then we also have a, a whole set of training courses and continuum you that'll help our clients clients position the help desk the right way, um, learn how to sell the, the help desk. One of the courses we're doing next week at Sales Academy in Pittsburgh is all about how do you sell the value of help desk to the end client. So we take that whole step, uh, the, we take that whole piece very seriously and take that to the next level. And then the final piece we do is we provide all the white label content to make sure you have the documentation internal to be able to onboard clients properly. So an onboarding roadmap and those type of things that, that uh, MSPs will need to onboard the end client. So, you know, we have a whole program built around that. That's just one example, but it's an, it's, it's an important piece because, you know, getting the customer on board the right way and leveraging the solution right way will yield to more predictable monthly recurring revenue and stick your customers. And I think our, all of our MSPs want that. So that's a critical piece. I suspect, Bob, that you and I could have a conversation solely about onboarding that would be of huge value to people. So maybe I can persuade you to uh, to come back and have that conversation in the future. I would actually, I would love to do that. As a matter of fact, I might even do it jointly with my. I have a leader of onboarding who happens to be one of our best best technical folks in the company, and maybe it's a joint one we do together because I think there'd be some real value to the to the listeners on that. Oh, fantastic! So I'm going to change, well, not change tack, but sort of uh, play devil's advocate here. I'm fascinated with um, the number of MSPs that I speak to that are out there, some of which um, totally get what Continuum are doing, totally get how they can uh, help MSPs. And in fact, when I was at your European partner event uh, recently, there were some of the heaviest hitters in the uh, UK MSP industry who were there. But what about those partners who say that their customers would never accept an outsource, uh, outsource solution like Continuum? How do you answer those type of, um, uh, that type of feedback? Well, you know, our, our focus is to really help our partners solve 
the labor challenge that we're facing today. You know, as I go and speak to MSPs that are growing at a very rapid pace, they're taking their best and brightest technical resources, they're retraining them into, into security, they're retraining them into other high value added project areas, and they're letting us do the majority of the, of the tactical ticket work and resolving that quickly. A good example is a company out of Kentucky called Vivitech. I was just talking to those, those folks. I know the owner. Uh, they are a rapidly growing uh, company um, in the U.S. And what, they, what they've done is, is that they've taken all their great technical resources and they've retrained them into security. And we're handling 90% of their ticket volume um, with, our, with our fully integrated knock. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, that helps an MSP really scale and focus on delivering the highest level of end, end customer value and just absolutely changing the dynamic for them. So what I would suggest is for folks that aren't familiar with us or don't know yet is give us an opportunity to show you how that fits into your business. You know, have a discussion with us. Let us show you how it would look. Let us show you how other customers are doing it. And then, you know, you got to make a good business decision from there, whether it's a good fit for you or not. But I think there's some real value we're showing to a lot of companies today. Um, not only uh, um, in Europe, which we had an unbelievable uh, partner day over there, but now we're starting to see explosive growth in Australia is another example. Um, so, you know, there's people that really need this solution as there's just not enough great uh, expertise that sits out there today and a lot of your great technical employees need to start being retrained in the areas like security and other areas that are becoming top of mind and most critical for small businesses today. So you mentioned Australia there. Um, I'm familiar with the Australian MSP market. I've, I've done some work over there over the years. Am I right in saying you speak Chinese? I speak a little bit of Chinese. <laughs> That's the, so the, way, the way I would answer that for those listeners that are that are Chinese, Richard. Uh, I would say "wada putongwa ibanban," which means I speak a you know I speak a little bit of Chinese. So so. <laughs> so on that subject, how do you see the Chinese market impacting MSPs in Europe and the US? Is it is it anything to be concerned about? Is uh, the managed service model even something that's uh, applicable in the Chinese market? You know, it's, that's a, you know, I was not expecting that question, but I will answer it because I actually have thought about it. I've talked to, I've actually talked to several uh, Chinese business owners. So I'm going to answer it if it's okay in two different ways. We, I just recently did a trip to Singapore. We're looking for a distributor in Singapore and um, we're really close to signing one that I'm really excited about. Um, and I, and once we do it, I'll, I'll send you the information on it. But it, it, what's interesting about it is the MSP market over there is starting to really emerge. So you're starting to see the MSP market, but they're, they're almost 100% break fix today. Um, in that in that market, they're not really offering managed services, but they want to start doing that. And we're we're a nice fit for that for that type of market. Um, I think in China it's very similar. Um, there are lots of small companies doing lots of different things, but there's not necessarily a big presence yet or an understanding of what managed services is all about in a big way. And I think that'll come eventually because, you know, they're starting to, you know, the middle class is really emerging. They're starting to have labor uh, cost challenges like everybody else. That's going to continue to happen. They're a very technology savvy market. 
and you know, all those things are going to happen. So I think that will emerge. I think we're a little bit away from that happening. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to take some time, but I think for markets like Australia and, and I think even Singapore, Malaysia, I think you're going to see those things come a little quicker. Interesting. So one to keep an eye on. Now you've been chief revenue officer for seven months or so now at Consignment. What's the biggest thing that you've learned as CRO? Well, I mean, I've learned a lot about the industry, which will probably be, you know, a lot of that will be old news for, uh, for some of the listeners today. So I won't go into that, but I think from, from a standpoint of, of what I, what I see out there, I think there is a, you know, for the, for the MSPs that are on the call, listen to this, it's the ability for us to provide a really strong value added service to our customers that allow them to really focus on scaling their business. And the ones that are happiest with us are the ones where they feel like our customer support, our engagement model, you know, cause we engage differently than a lot of mo- most of our competitors. We have a very deep engagement model. We have dedicated technical success managers, dedicated channel managers who work with dedicated sets of partners, you know, so we're not, we're not necessarily just, uh, although we do have sales teams too, we're very, focused on retaining our best customers and providing another level of support. So the one thing I have learned for sure is how important that is to our client base. I think uh, they value that. They want that. They want that one-on-one engagement and they want that additional value add, um, you know, from a company like Continuum that we are going to continue to deliver to them. Understood. And for you personally, Bob, if I can ask, what are some of the choices that you've made over your career in IT and sales that you think have made you who you are today? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it always comes down to a few key things and, and I'll kind of list those off to you. I think one is surrounding yourself by really great people, um, you know, and having the right team in place, you know, and, and I think that is a, that's a critical thing that has helped me be successful. I've always surrounded myself with a really, really strong team. You know, I feel like I have one now, um, and, and continuum that is just absolutely world-class and I couldn't be prouder of them. So, you know, that is, that is number one. I think the second thing is leading by example. It's, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of sales leaders say, Hey, you need to go do this and you need to go do that, but they're not willing to do it themselves. Right. So I try to lead by example every chance I get, I, I, I try to get on, um, customer visits with our salespeople and with our technical people. I engage in conferences, you know, I'll engage at any level they need me to engage. And I think leading by example is really critical. And then I think the final thing I would say is, is really, really critical is what I would call maintaining an operating rhythm. Um, it's something that a lot of leaders overlook, uh, but it's really important. And there's some good uh, write-ups on that out there. But maintain, what a maintaining op- operating rhythm means is, is making sure you have a good set of metrics that you're managing to that are important to you, but are also important to your people and are not burdensome. So you're not asking them to do things that are not value added for them. And then being consistent with those metrics. So always inspecting those same sets and making sure we're driving that same behavior or things that are really important. So I think that's something that's overlooked a lot, Richard, is is the operating rhythm people are in. And I think that's that's a really critical thing. So having your your routine calls, your routine meetings, but making sure those meetings and calls have the right set of metrics, the right inspection points, and the right purpose is really critical to whether or not you're going to have success as a uh, 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 as a sales and uh, as a sales leader. 
That's great, great advice, Bob. Thanks for sharing that. Now, I, I sat with your with Continuum CEO Michael George the other week, and we were initially penciled in to sit down for about twenty minutes over a cup of tea for an interview. We ended up talking for an hour. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm very conscious that I might be in danger of taking up your time. Similar here, although I could continue talking to you all day. So I'll, as we get to the, uh, to the end of our time together, let me ask: What can we expect next from Continuum, specifically in the UK and Europe? Right. Um, so first of all, I think we have a an outstanding team that our leader, Paul Balkwell, has put together um, in Europe. Uh, we are going to expand. You're going to see us open up operations in the Benelux. You're going to see us add more technical resources, uh, specifically technical resources, to the UK office, the Bracknell office in, Lond- uh, in the uh, London area. Um, those things are critical. We've been bringing on a lot of new customers. We need to make sure that those customers are onboarded properly and are successful. That is absolutely paramount to what we're doing. And I want to make sure that occurs. So, you know, that, that piece is going to happen. We're working on that right now. We are also going to open up that office in the Benelux. We're going to look at expansion into the Nordics. Um, I think I might've mentioned it before, but I think that is an important market for us as well that we should be able to do good things in. And then I think, um, you know, also we're going to, we're going to, from a marketing perspective, we've always traditionally uh, had marketing out of the U.S., but we've recently opened up to put a field marketing person in uh, in Europe. And uh, the reason I state that is, uh, Richard, is because it's critical for this reason. A lot of our partners want us to help them leverage our white label content, leverage our video capabilities, leverage our website development, all our best practices that we offer to our MSPs. When we don't have an expert on the ground, we can't do that. Trying to do that to the, for the European market from the US is not practical. So that's why we're making that investment. So we're looking right now for somebody top notch uh, out of the Bracknell office to help our partners, enable our partners to leverage marketing and grow their customer base at a faster rate. So that's why we're making that investment, just to be clear. Got it. Bob, look, I'm very, very conscious of your time. I know how busy you are. You've already spent longer with me today than uh, than I can give credit for, so thank you very much for that. I know you're very active on social media. Um, if anybody listening to this wants to reach out to you, any MSPs want to get in touch with yourself or Continuum, what's the best way for them to reach you? I would say LinkedIn. Um, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. It's, you know, just type in Robert Kosas and connect with me. Um, you can also shoot me an email if you'd like uh, initially at, at bob.kosas, K-O-C-I-S at continuum.net. You know, that's fine as well. But I would think LinkedIn's the best way. And, um, you know, any, any uh, MSP that's out there that like to connect, we'd love to have you uh, connect with us. Um, the other thing you could do is follow us on social. You know, Continuum has a follow Continuum account on Twitter and on uh, uh, LinkedIn. They're both um, heavily populated with our blog. Uh, and I think our, our blog is very well done. Um, and it's something that is, you know, we're going to continue to, to keep putting out there. So th- those would be the ways. Absolutely. And just to reiterate what you've said there, I actually think some of Continuum's content is real cutting edge and, and, and you're setting an example for the MSP industry as a whole. So uh, thank you for the valuable content you share there and uh, long may that continue.
Well, we, we appreciate that compliment and our team, our marketing team is so committed to continuing that effort. We, and we are as a company. So we're going to, we're going to continue to raise the bar there, Richard, and try to try to make it even better and better so that our MSPs can really leverage that to their end clients. Fantastic. Look, Bob, I'll uh, include all of your contact details in the show notes uh, for any listeners today so they can get in touch with you. But thanks so much again for your time. It was a pleasure to meet you in uh, London recently for the European Partner Day. It's been really insightful uh, to sit with you and uh, talk for the best part of an hour today. And I'm positive that once this episode goes out there, people are going to uh, want you to uh, to come back on the podcast and, and perhaps talk some more about onboarding, sales, customer excellence, and many other topics we touched upon. Thanks again. Thank you so much, and uh, I appreciate all your time. Thanks, Richard. Cheers, Bob. Thanks for listening to Tub Talk, the podcast for IT business owners. You can find the show notes and bonus content for this interview, along with dozens of other interviews with IT business leaders over at www.tubblog.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate you rating and reviewing the show over at iTunes. Every review helps us reach new listeners and helps raise the bar for success in the IT industry. In our next episode, Richard speaks with Rick Yates of ZSphere to discuss the latest MSP tools. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak with you next episode. Have a great day. Okay, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors, The Email Laundry. The Email Laundry combines security services with your customer's preferred email service to give them a truly enterprise-worthy email system. Well, what does that mean? Well, as an IT business, whether your customers are using Office 365, Hosted Exchange, an on-site exchange server, or any other type of email solution, cloud-based email security from The Email Laundry is a neat and effective solution for your customer. It will block spam and virus email with an impressive catch rate. Put simply, when your customer's email server is protected behind the email laundry, they'll thank you for the security it offers them. Now, the email laundry are offering free email security for your own domain to all listeners to this podcast. All you have to do is to sign up for a free partner account through the special listener URL, www.theemaillaundry.com forward slash tablog. Use that link to have your own domain filtered for free for one year. And there's more to this special offer. If you bring on board 100 pay mailboxes during your first six months, the email laundry will give you your own domain for free for another 12 months. So that means two years of the email laundry service for your own domain for free. Sign up for the email laundry now using the special listener offer at www.theemaillaundry.com forward slash tublog. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary 
diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.